Luke 14, 25-33, The Cost of Discipleship. Now large crowds were traveling with him, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not, by comparison, not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and estimate the cost to, be, to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able, with 10,000, to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot then, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all of your possessions. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. I think all of you know I enjoy telling stories, and I think you all love telling stories too. Why do we tell stories? Well, for lots of reasons. When we tell stories, we can teach each other lessons. We can get to know about each other's life. When you tell a story, it causes people to lean in and pay attention. Sometimes we tell stories simply to get attention. Sometimes we tell a story to lighten a heavy moment. There are lots and lots of reasons that we tell stories. Why do you think Jesus told stories? Probably for much of those same reasons. It was a way that his listeners would pay attention. It was a way that they would understand these important messages that he was trying to teach them. Stories also help us to remember It's hard for us to remember word for word what a piece of scripture might say, but we can remember the story of it. We can remember the characters and the plot of what happened. It helps us to learn. This uh, month, I'm going to be kicking off a new sermon series, and it comes straight from the lectionary from the UMC Discipleship um, Organization and Group. And it's called Having Words with Jesus. And we're going to take a look at some of these stories that Jesus taught us. But they're some of the different stories, not our typical parables that we learn from and hear from Jesus. Now, I don't know if you caught the first line of the scripture reading that Connie read today, but it's a different one. Before we get to that, I want to ask, have you ever heard the quote, the love of a family is life's greatest blessing? That's a quote that we have on a big family picture at my, well, I think my grandma has a copy and my mom has a copy of it, but this huge family picture that we put together. 
And this quote rings so true for our family. I think you have heard me talk about my family a lot. We are very, very, very close. My aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents, of course, my brother and his family, all of the in-laws that have married in. We are one big, giant, close-knit family. And I love my family. It is one of my life's greatest blessings. And then to take that a step further, when I first became a mom and understood that type of love for a person, it was a whole new experience. The very first time that I laid eyes on Xander, I felt something that I had never felt so deeply before, the unconditional love. And I thought in that moment, and I've thought it every moment since, when I talk or think about how much I love my kids, I feel like I have an understanding of how much God loves each of us. But this scripture reading, it really throws me off. I'm going to read that line that I am talking about here to you again. It says, whoever comes to me and does not hate their father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Sounds like that should be a typo. It's not. It is actually printed in there. The scripture is telling us that we should hate these people who we love the most. Now, let's be honest here. That's probably not going to happen, at least in the way that we understand hatred. There might be some people who grew up in really, really terrible home lives, and they truly might feel some hate for their biological mother or father or somebody who has harmed them. But for most of us, hate is the farthest feeling that we have in the way that we feel for our family. We might get angry at them. That definitely happens. But that doesn't mean that we hate them. So what is Jesus saying here? Why would he say that? Maybe it's because there were too many people gathering around, and so he thought, well, this will be a good way to weed some of those people out. I don't think so. Most of the time, Jesus says, come and follow me. He talks to us about love and grace. He talks to us about how we are supposed to love God with all of our heart and our mind and our being. And we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. Nowhere in that part of the scripture do we hear that we are supposed to hate somebody. So we have two responses on how we read the scripture. One is just to pretend like we didn't read it, that it just isn't even in there and it doesn't exist. This isn't the only scripture that I like to do that with because there are other scriptures that when I read them black and white, I don't like what they have to say, so I just skip over them. They don't seem to matter. I don't think that's what we're supposed to do. But we do it. We're all guilty. You can laugh, but I know you do it too. The second response that we have, though, is to wrestle with that scripture, to read it over and over again, to look at it through many different lenses, to try to figure out what that gray area means, to understand that when Jesus says, whoever does not hate their father and mother and all of their family, it might have a different meaning 
Because our words and the way that we interpret things in today's language is different. There's been many translations of the Bible, so many different words could fit into that phrase. So before I move on with that, I do want to read this in a couple of different translations. I'm going to read again the one that we heard earlier. This comes from the NRSV, and it's the updated version. Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Sounds pretty straightforward. As I said, there's multiple translations, so let's go way back in time to the good old King James Version, because there are some people that believe that is the only version of the Bible that is accurate. Let's see what it says. It says, if any man come to me and hate not his father, I feel like I should be doing this with an accent, and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Even the King James Version is still telling us that we're supposed to hate. So as I often do, I pulled out my trusty contemporary message Bible because I like sometimes how it is worded in our modern language. And this is what the message says. It says, anyone who comes to me but refuses to let go of father, mother, spouse, children, brothers, and sisters, yes, even one's own self, can't be my disciple. I like that translation better. Letting go of something just seems less harmful, less harsh of a word than to hate somebody. But still, why is Jesus telling us that we need to let go of these people who most of us love more than anyone else? What is the message of this scripture? The bulk of this passage that we read today contains two parables. One of the parables talks about a construction person who is going to be building. And of course, just like any of us would in our world today, if we're going to build a new project or we're going to do anything in our yard, we're going to figure up the cost. We're going to make sure that we have the money and the materials that we need. Can you imagine some people actually do this, but building your dream home and then running out of money halfway through. That happens to a lot of people. So what the scripture is reminding us is that we're supposed to weigh all of the costs. We're supposed to plan ahead and figure out what it means to live or build this dream. The second parable that Jesus talks about is this king who is planning on going to war. And he talks about how the king, if he's planning to go to war, is going to weigh what the other side has. If they have 20,000 men and the king, the king only has 10,000, the odds are not in their favor. So perhaps maybe instead he would send somebody to try to make peace. It's the planning ahead, counting all the costs. Figuring out what you have to lose and what you have to gain from any situation. That's what Jesus is getting at for us in our Christian lives. 
When we decide that we are going to be a Christian and we say, yes, we are all in and we are going to follow Christ, do we do so reluctantly? And what does that mean to truly be a disciple? Does it mean that we pray when we feel like it or when something bad is happening in our life? Does it mean that we come to church when it's convenient for us? Maybe when our kids are out of town or when they're in town, we bring them. It's only one hour. Do we live our Christian lives beyond these walls of our sanctuary? Do we help others in need or do we find ourselves judging others? What does it mean to truly be a Christian? Jesus gets right down to the point. And he says, if you are truly going to follow me, you have got to be willing to let go of everything. Even the things that you love the absolute most. Something that the writer of the preaching notes this week pointed out was that we alone are not truly capable of loving others the way that Christ intends us to love unless we let Christ teach us to love and we begin to truly understand that love. So as much as we think that we might love our spouse and our children and our parents and brothers and sisters and all of these people who we think that we love very much, Christ is saying, no, let go of all that because when you truly, truly follow me and understand my love, you are going to experience a deeper love for them than you could ever imagine. A love that we as human beings are not capable of on our own. And when our hearts get to that place and we figure out how to love like that, we aren't just loving our spouse and our children and these family members that the scripture listed. We are loving our neighbors of every color, every size, every situation. And that is is what Jesus expects of us when he says, follow me. This week, I would encourage all of you to really take a deep look at your own heart, at your own being, and let yourself come to terms with what you might need to let go of. Those things that you love the most that you say, well, I can be a good Christian and I can still hold on to this one thing. That's not what Jesus tells us to do. He says we have to be willing to give up everything if we are going to follow him. We will be celebrating communion in a little bit and remembering Christ's sacrifice for us. But before we move on to that part of our worship service and that wonderful, wonderful time, I would invite any of you who are comfortable to join me in praying the Wesleyan Covenant prayer. This is typically a prayer that we do at New Year's time as we renew our intention of following Christ. But I think today is a good time to do that. A time that we are stepping back and taking a good look at ourselves. And so if you are comfortable and you are ready to remake that commitment to Christ, I would invite you to pray with me. I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. 
Let me be employed by thee, or laid aside for thee, exalted for thee, or brought low for thee. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine, and I am thine, so be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. For our hymn of reflection this morning, we will be singing My Hope is Built. It's number 368 in the hymnal. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on His unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. His oath, His covenant, His blood Support me in the whelming flood When all around my soul gives way Even is all my hope can stay On Christ the solid rock I stand All other ground is sinking sand All other ground is sinking sand Shall come with trumpet sound. Oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand. 